Don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They spiked it on first down, wasted that. Right. Did I lose you both? Good lord. All right. This is the press box. Did we just lose Tyler? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It looks like we've lost Tyler and uh, Ed. Well, this is good. With Graney and Bischoff. Oh, that's great, Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Jared. I'm an idiot. Sometimes we mute ourselves on purpose just to see how he's going to react. It's Ed, Tyler, and himself, Jared, top producer there at Lotus. It's a Friday football to start us off. The first bite. Will Russell Wilson get traded out of Seattle? Mm, Not so sure. These are always like fantasy quarterbacks, uh, fantasy move questions where, you know, uh, fan bases go crazy and they start throwing out crazy trades and everything, and then usually nothing happens. Sometimes it does, but often nothing. So betting man, which I'm not, Tyler, uh, I would say no, because I just think that usually when these things happen, these guys ultimately stay where they're at. Um, What do you think? The fascinating part of yesterday is that the report from Adam Schefter was that he hasn't asked for a trade, but he's told them there are four teams he will accept a trade to. So... I don't know what to make of that because it sounds like Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle and he's put some thought into what teams he would accept a trade to because he has a no trade clause. So he gets to basically control where he would go. Um, So there's a level of this where Russell Wilson has absolutely thought about it and he's absolutely figured out where he would want to go if he wants, if he does get traded out of Seattle. But at the same time, if he didn't ask for a trade yet, uh, I guess it means he wants to stay in Seattle first, and that's his priority. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be his priority. I mean, I, I was surprised. I've got to be honest. With you, I was surprised the agent went as far as he did. Usually, they'll just say he has not asked for a trade and leave it at that, even if he has. And you know, if something happens, ultimately or eventually, you know, they talk around that. But when you say four specific teams, that's that's like Pete DeBoer saying ankle instead of body, lower body injury. <laughs> I mean, that's a little more information than agents would usually give. So I'm, I don't think it'll happen just because of, we'll talk about what it would take to get them. But when you're that specific about teams, there had to have been talks. I mean, obviously you're not throwing out teams without having talked to your client. And I'm sure he said, hey, what about these four teams? I would be interested. Yet again, it comes back to the most important you know, part of this. What would you have to give to get him and that's the that's the uh that that's the critical part of this instead of him just wanting out yeah so okay let's take the raiders as an example because they were one of these four teams along with the bears cowboys and saints that apparently russell wilson would accept a trade to um are, are we talking Derek carr and two first round picks is that enough do you need to add a third pick do you need to add a, a darren waller like what what do you think the actual trade value for russell wilson would be well, and I and I I read uh, Vinny Bonsignori's story today, and he had a NFL executive uh, saying, and maybe I'll throw this off you. He said that the discussions for Russell Wilson 
would merely be a starting point with a Matthew Stafford trade to the Rams. And if we remember, Jared Goff uh, went along with two first-round picks and a third-rounder for Stafford, and the executive told Vinny it's way more for Russell Wilson. So, okay, you get Goff, who was a first-rounder, two additional first-rounders, and a third-rounder for Stafford. If that's just the starting point, I, I mean, that's a lot. I know he's a top-five quarterback. Pro Football Focus, I thought, made it more reasonable for teams in terms of not that much for him. So I don't know which one to believe. I, I think it, whether it's in the middle or it's more than Goff that they had to give up to move or get to move Goff. Um, let's just go with the Goff one. That's that's a lot, but I could see maybe a team doing it for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Raiders and the opportunity is there for simply Derek Carr, two firsts and a third, right? We're, we're basically giving up the, got, the what, same trade, the same yeah. Stafford trade. Yeah, I'm accepting that every single day. Because yes. uh, I, the only real loss there is two first-round picks. I upgrade my quarterback position and, and a third-round pick, whatever. But, I, you know, I lose two first-round picks. That's fine. I'm taking that deal because Russell Wilson, as we've talked about on this show during the offseason, you need a top-five quarterback or you need a quarterback that can be in the top five. And Russell Wilson, he fell out of it in the second half of last season. But mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is a quarterback that can, you know, it's not hard to see him being one of the top three quarterbacks in football at any given point over the next four seasons. Uh, Derek Carr, it's hard to see that. Carr's good, but it's hard to see him being one of the top three guys in the league, and that's the best or the easiest way to win a Super Bowl. So if it's if it's Derek Carr, two first and a third, I'm doing that every single time. Now, if you start talking about throwing in Darren Waller, I'm still probably doing it. Uh, but beyond that, I don't know how much more valuable players the Raiders have to put into trades, but I, I think any of that's worth it because ultimately – you're upgrading at the most important position and you're getting one of the players that could actually be top five at that position and you're giving up some first round picks. Okay. I think you should be fine with giving those up. I don't think they carry as much value as we think they should, especially with the way the Raiders have drafted the last few years. Well, that's the key. I mean, they have not set the world on fire with their drafts. Now, again, uh, the guys drafting Mayock and Gruden, uh, privately might say, boy, we haven't done a good job. They're never going to say that publicly or admit that. Um, but, you know, you can see for yourself what they've done in the draft, and it hasn't been stellar at all. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, look, Carr, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. It has nothing to do with this conversation because obviously you move him if you can get Russell Wilson. That's not even – you don't even blink on that. You're, you know, and, and if I'm Seattle, you know, let's think of those other teams right now. And I guess Dallas would be Dak. Uh you know, um, Chicago, uh, who's the fourth team, the Raiders and who? Uh, the Saints. Okay, so one's retiring. The best one's retiring. I mean, obviously, Jameis, you'd move if you could get Russell Wilson. So, you know, I mean, if I'm Seattle, of those of those four, probably Dak over Carr. But, you know, you're getting a pretty good quarterback back in Carr. Uh, and with all the picks, um, I, you know, I think Seattle, I mean, they'd probably ask for Waller and they'd ask for the moon and maybe then you negotiate them down, but that's not a horrible deal for Seattle either. I mean, you know, I know who you're giving up, but you throw in Waller and Carr and I don't know, two or three ones. I mean, especially if you know the guy's not happy and not content and wants to move, much like Deshaun Watson continues to say he's just not playing there. It hasn't gotten to that point with Russell Wilson, but I think it'd be kind of a win-win for both people in in, in terms of if you have to move a guy and, and you get back Derek Carr, that's not the worst thing in the world. I was surprised that the Raiders were on the list for Russell Wilson. And if you read yesterday, The Athletic had a big story in the morning about Russell Wilson and why he's unhappy. 
And there were a couple of things that stuck out. Uh, one was that he wants to be in a more pass-heavy offense, and Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. He wants to pound it in the running game. Uh, also, that Russell Wilson, uh, apparently during the 2020 season, had a meeting with Pete Carroll and the coaches and offered up some ideas about how he thought they could fix the offense. And the coaches just kind of dismissed that idea. Uh, plus... Russell Wilson's not happy with how bad the Seahawks offensive line has been pretty much his entire career in Seattle. He wants them to, you know, focus more on the offensive line. So if you look at those specific complaints that the Athletic reported and look at the Raiders, if he wants to be in a pass-heavy offense, uh, the Raiders ranked 28th in the league in percentage of first down plays that were passes. Now, the Raiders did throw right. it quite a bit on second and third down, but John Gruden's not some air-it-out-at-all-cost coach. If he comes here, he's going to have the same issues he had in Seattle where his coach wants to run the ball, where his coach wants to put an emphasis on running the ball. So that problem's not fixed if he comes here. And then also, on the offensive line, the Raiders have had a better offensive line than Seattle, but do we know who's going to be on the offensive line next year? Like, Trent Brown no. might be cut, and he's rarely played. Richie Incognito's coming off a serious injury. He could be cut. Gabe Jackson could be a salary cap casualty, especially if they have to take on more contract. So uh, the Raiders offensive line has been fine the last couple of years, but we don't really know who's going to be on it. So I don't know if Russell Wilson's upset with the Seattle offensive line. I don't know that you can look at Vegas and say, yep, that offensive line is going to be better. And then on the idea of wanting a little bit more say and maybe personnel, <laughs> is, is Russell Wilson walking in there and telling John Gruden and Mike Mayock who to sign? Maybe, maybe he could, but I, I don't view the problems that the Athletic laid out. I don't see Las Vegas as a as a fix or an upgrade on what Seattle was doing. Well, and people, you know, people take this one way or the other. But look, I mean, this I don't think I, I this is maybe another reason they're on the list. I don't know. I don't think they're going to get him, and I think he'd probably prefer maybe to go other teams on that list uh, in um, than Las Vegas. But let's not forget who he's married to. And they have kids, and if they th and if he's thinking about you know her career as well, maybe that's why he throws this team on the list. I don't know. I mean, people. I, I mean, that's more that has more credence, I think, than people would give it. I mean, you know, his his wife's here; she could have a residency. I mean, you're probably thinking about that too with Las Vegas. Like I said, I don't know if they'd want to be together. They have small or apart. They have small kids. It might just be that, and they don't have any chance at him. I'm not sure. I know there's no chance that you've seen this movie. But I want to ask Jared if he saw <laughs> Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston. Did you ever see that? Uh, I I've seen. I don't remember seeing all of it, but I've okay. I've caught parts of it on a uh, what what is it? Uh, TBS Superstation. Okay. The Mark Wahlberg plays Chris Cole, the rock star. He joins this incredible band, the band he's always wanted to be in his life. This is what's happening here, Tyler. In the off season when they weren't touring, Chris Cole wrote a bunch of his own songs. Uh, when he came back and tried to put them to the band, the band said, hey, Chris, we write the songs, not you. Russell Wilson eventually is Chris Cole. He's the guy who writes the songs in the offseason and he wants to be heard. <laughs> but the the band members laugh at him and say, buddy, we write it. So that's what's happening here, both with Deshaun okay. Watson and Russell Wilson. They're both Chris Cole wanting some say and then they're put in their place right away. That's kind of my analogy. I'm fairly certain that's based on an actual story involving judas priest where they hired okay. a uh they hired like a cover band guy to replace yes. their lead singer for yes. a while and the, and it was the, the band was steel dragon in the movie yes there you uh, go 
are, that's are you my movie tell us, ten. Are you going to tell us how the movie ends so we know how these two quarterback situations end? Uh, it becomes too much for him, and uh, he leaves the band. So, <laughs> and, and and he just he forms his small band uh, that he you know goes back to his roots. So maybe Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson go back to like the the league uh, Johnny Manziel is playing in now. Uh, oh, and the it, fans you know, call the plays. Yes. The fans yes. call the plays, and they, <laughs> they just give up and go back to that lead because they can't, like, have any input with Steel Dragon's lead uh, lead singer. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I don't know why that came to me, but, you know, I mean, Aniston's in it, so you, you, you got to be up on that. Um, Russell, so there you Wilson go. becomes yes. the first GM head coach quarterback of the CFL. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, <laughs> he can just go back to his roots and have a good time and just play for fun and not worry about, like, all the uh, pressure. Of okay. all the movies, like <laughs> – that I thought I was like coming to the mic to help you out on. You picked Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. Well, the only reason is because it, it it correlates to you, you as one of the lead guys want saying things, and the lead lead guy, whether it's Pete Carroll or you know you know the people in Houston, say no. You sit in your place. We will decide all the important things. And I think these guys both are at a lever. Like no, you pay me forty million a year. We haven't won to the level I want to. I want some changes. So they're both seemingly caught in that mode and why, you know, now two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL are essentially asking to get out. Great analogy. I have not seen the movie. There you go. But I think I well, think I knew I started a conversation out with there's no chance you saw it. I was just wondering if Jared saw it. Listen, how old is this movie? It's gotta be like mid nineties. Yeah, no, no, like no, no, no. Nope, 2001. Oh, okay. 2001. It just felt like a period piece. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. This movie came out September 7th, 2001. Yeah, I can't imagine okay, that. So, uh, yeah. That didn't really take over the world in popularity. No, because of no. it only there. it only grossed 19 million, so it, it kind of fell down at the box yeah. office. All right, all right. I good analogy. <laughs> Never seen the movie. You could have been complete. You could edit. You could make up plots to any movie oh you wanted, God. and I would have no idea. I'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds great. That, that sounds perfect." I think you that's could, a new game that we have to play. You could have been <laughs> like, you could have made up a football movie and been like, "Yeah, there's this quarterback who wants yeah. a better offensive line and more say in the personnel, and he wants a trade." You could just make up whatever you wanted. I'd have Jared. no idea. Jared, with Tyler, we've got to start that game where we give him three completely preposterous things, but one's true, and he has to guess which one's true. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is perfect. This is perfect. Two, two truths and a lie with movies. All right. Yes, I, exactly. I actually think we could also do it with sports because Tyler doesn't care about any sports that happens like before 1997. Oh, yes. irrelevant. Yes. Completely irrelevant. You talk, You kidding me? That's like ancient times. I'll bring That's up the Washington Bullets. Yeah, that's not a real team. Is that who plays the uh, Harlem Globetrotters all the time? God, I hate you. Uh, yes, Coming up the, Washington, the Washington Generals. <laughs> the Generals. Coming up next, the NCAA tournament is going to have replacement teams ready to go in case of COVID. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Former running rebel Everett Gray is going to join the show at 7.30. But give we've a, got... Give a, give a little shout out before you talk. Eight in a row for the women on the road. Someone out there is yeah. doing her, the job. Yeah, well, sounds like they're going to have the exact same season as the men's team last year. Mm -hmm. Tied for second, 12 and 6 in the Mountain West. Yeah. We saw that Good before. 
that just means they're going to be bad next year is all I hear. Coming up Jeez. is Everett Gray. Uh, but the NCAA is going to have replacement teams for the NCAA tournament. So there's going to be basically two different ways that this works. First off, if there is a one-bid conference that has a team that has to leave the NCAA tournament because of COVID issues, that conference will be able to send in an alternate team. So the NCAA is going to do their best to make sure every team or every conference has a team that plays in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but the other way that this is going to work that could be a lot of fun uh, or cause a lot of problems is that if an at-large team gets knocked out or if a you know conference champion from a multi-bid conference gets knocked out, there will be four replacement teams. And those four replacement teams are going to be the first four out, right? So when we get to the NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday, the first four teams out will be deemed as replacement teams. And if anybody gets knocked out before the first round of games in the NCAA tournament, one of those replacement teams will step in. Now, they won't do this. Like, once you get to the Sweet 16, if somebody has to leave, they won't do it then. But before the first round, they will have replacement teams. And it sets up the hypothetical, Ed, that the one seed could get bounced because of COVID. They have to leave because of COVID. And one of those first four out teams would then become the de facto one seed because they've said they're not going to change the bracket. Yeah, I mean, you don't want that to happen because these guys have played so well all year. I Look, the only thing you and I want for the press box, and, I, 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 you know, it's bad to say this. No one wants us getting him. But should it happen, should it happen, uh, the uh, AQ from the Mountain West, it'd be a one-bid league, something happens, and then they say, you know what? It's been a tough year in New Mexico. Lobos, <laughs> you're in. <laughs> now, they'd have to go find these poor kids because they've been everywhere but Albuquerque this year. But I'm telling you what, if it's only one bid league and they got to pick someone else, I hope they don't go with like the second place team. Give those Lobo kids a break after what they've been through. Put them in the tournament. You're nominating New Mexico yes. to be the Mountain yes, West I am. one team. Yes. So well, no, we... with what they've gone through, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I can get behind this. Uh, yes. Because, so what we, what we need to happen here is San Diego State basically win out. Win yeah. the rest of their regular season games, win the conference tournament. Because San Diego State, if they do that, they might get like a six seed right. or something like that. And then we need like everybody else, Boise State, Colorado State, Utah State to just to lose. lose out. Like, hey, you guys don't get any more wins the rest of the season. And they might all miss if that were to happen. So then it's a one-bid conference. And then if San Diego State has COVID issues, they'd have to send a second team. I don't know how we convince them to make it New Mexico, though. Well, I don't know. Start, start a petition. Start a petition. Everyone sign it. Craig Thompson uh, won't even listen to his own coaches. You that's true. Listen yeah. to us? Yeah, he doesn't listen to his coaches <laughs> or his AD, so uh, not listening to us. No, I. Um, so when the bracket starts, there's no more replacements. I get that. Um, and you know what's it, you know 68. I mean, just going on the odds. I mean, is there any chance it gets through without one of these replacements? I mean, maybe, but. It's a lot of teams that have, you know, so many of many of the top ones have had issues already. Baylor's had two pauses. I mean, these guys, you know, there's a lot of teams that have had pauses. So I guess I won't be surprised if, you know, last four out, one of those two, one or two of those get in. Yeah, I don't think it'd be that surprising either. Um, no. Now, 
how big of a deal our conference tournament's going to be. Our team's going to have more pauses because they're going to play in conference tournaments right before. I, I don't know. Are those just the same as going to play road games like they have been all year? You hope so. You hope that's what the risk is there, but maybe there's more going to play in a conference tournament. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty plausible that we'll have at least one of these uh, alternate teams get called in and have to play a, a game. It's going to be fascinating to see, like, what seed they would get. Because, again, once the NCAA tournament sets the bracket, they've said they're not changing it. So if, as a hypothetical, if, you know, Baylor or Gonzaga gets COVID and can't play, they're out, and one of the uh, first four teams out are in. So you could have, just to use a Mountain West team, you could have Boise State, first four team out, Boise yeah. State's all of a sudden playing a 16 seed in the first yeah. game of the NCAA tournament, and then an eight or a nine in the second. All of a sudden, Boise State's got a fairly easy path to a Sweet 16 appearance if they can knock off an eight or a nine seed. So it's uh, it'll be fascinating to see if a team does have to pull out what seed pulls out because all of a sudden you've got a team that wasn't going to be in uh, getting a, a random seed. I mean, they could also go the other way. It could also be a 15 seed has to pull out and all right. of a sudden Boise state's playing a two seed in yeah. the first round. I want the first ever historical moment where the 11 seed is a 19 and a half point favorite over six seed, New Mexico, <laughs> because <laughs> I don't yeah. think they have to take San Diego state's place. <laughs> and the 11 seed is favored by almost 20. And the New Mexico kids get their watches. They get to be in the NCAA tournament. I'm all for that. It's been a long year for the Lobos. Will when the season ends, will the uh, will New Mexico basketball even like stay together just in case they oh. get the alternate spot? Because I imagine as soon uh, as, as much they as lose, they've seen each other, as soon oh. as they lose that last that game in the Mountain yeah. West tournament, they're, they're going home. They're not talking to yeah. Paul Weir or their teammates no. for three months. No. They're saying no, well, thank you. I don't want to see you guys again. Well, before we get to Everett, real quick, let me ask you this. If you're Gonzaga, and we've talked about this, and there's any fear that could happen, and you're the one overall seed, I'm telling you, I think he'll still come because of the whole you know, the whole conference and they'll pressure him. If I'm Mark Few, I'm not anywhere near Vegas as the number one overall seed. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I laugh at them and say, you're out of your minds. Why would we come and do that and risk like this, like you just said, getting something and then having to replace us with like a first four out team? That's crazy. Yeah. Mark Few did say last week that he they are going to go. They are going to oh. go to the, the tournament. So they're coming. Uh, but he was also very – he basically gave a message to the rest of the conference to say, don't screw this up because we're really good this year and right. we, we yeah. can actually win it. So it's – yeah, it's – I mean, if you're Gonzaga, there's nothing to gain playing in the conference tournament. You're just being a good conference member, which I guess has some value. But you have nothing to gain as a team in 2021 – going to the the WCC tournament this year, but no. they're going to do it. Like Only bad things can happen to them if they come. I guess they can win yeah. a WCC title, well, but I don't think they care about that this year. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they don't so, care about cutting down those nets. Yeah, so only bad things can happen, but they said they're coming. All right, coming up next, uh, former running rebel Everett Gray joins the show. Congratulations to Mike Bohannon. He won the $2,000 for the month of February from the Vegas Lawyers. Don't take a gamble on your lawyer. Call the Vegas Lawyers at 702-707-7000 for the best in criminal defense, immigration, and DUI. Uh, we do not have Everett Gray on the phone. Um, I'm going to uh, 
Blame the phones themselves, and that's what the issue is. So instead, let's talk a little bit about UNLV basketball. We have oh, Everett Gray. Have okay, Everett, how are you today? Hey, Everett. I, I am good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, Everett, how much do you watch the current UNLV team? Ooh, man, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to watch sometimes because of I'm in my playoffs with my high school team. So, you know, and whenever I get a chance to, I try to watch them. Um, uh, but it's always hit and miss because I know they missed a few games because of COVID. But um, it's it, and then when I do, you know, you know, check them out. I mean, you know, obviously I want them to play well. It's a it's a school I played for and uh, attended and and uh, but you know I want our I want our um, our school and our team to be successful and and, and uh, I always support UNLV uh, since I left and you know after I retired. Uh, it came back around a little bit more when Lon Kruger was around because that's when I kind of retired from basketball playing wise. So, um, but you know, it's 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 difficult right now. I know they're struggling and they've been struggling for for a couple of years. But uh, I always um, I will want them to come back and and be where they used to be at least the time they were with um, starting with Lon Kruger. Ever, uh, Lon Kruger, I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, he did a really good job uh, and was aggressive in reaching out to you guys and bringing you back mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having those nights where he, he, he put the tradition and the alumni front and center. Um, it, you know, props to Kruger for doing that. Do you wish that had been done more often or has kind of the influx of coach after coach made it, like you said, kind of hard sometimes with what's been going on with the program? Well, the thing is that um, when Lon was here, he um, he obviously brought us back, and, and he made a weekend out of it. I have an mm -hmm. alumni game, and and some guys really look forward to that alumni game, and uh, and I don't, and it, it kind of went away. I mean, I think Coach Rice tried to do it. Dave tried to do it a little bit, and the one year we he tried to keep it going, only like five people showed up, so we couldn't even play the game. So uh, that was the last time, um, but Lon always brought back everyone, and uh, and he um, and people wanted to help him. And behind the scenes, people were helping him, especially edge players, and that's why he had success. And he was going to the tournament pretty much every year. The only problem is he was getting stuck in that eight-nine game. The eight-nine game sucked. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was uh, good for our, our school in that period, and uh, I wish um, that would have worked out a little bit, a little better towards the end. I kind of found out what happened behind the scenes, um, but you know he was—he he always called and, and check in. And here's the crazy part, guys: I still talk to Lon because he has my, one of my big kids, a six-ten kid, uh, Kirk Kruk. Uh, out of Utah, he has one of my kids, so him and I talk a little bit still to this day. So he was always a, a I'm always a big fan of Coach Cooper. All right, I got to know about the alumni games. Who was the best player back then? Who was who was lighting it up in the alumni game? Oh, there were some guys that was really taking it serious. Um, Warren Rose Green, I think he actually had a two a day workout of maybe a week before. <laughs> <laughs> he did two days before uh, before the alumni game, but you know, usually those younger guys will um, 
we'll play hard. And I used to, used to tease him. I'm like, you know, there's no MVP in this game. <laughs> so, but you know, it was some side bats, if you know what I'm talking about, in the game. But uh, it was a Warren World's game. Um, uh, Patrick Savoy took it real serious, and it was some of the guys still playing when uh, Lon start started doing that. I think I was almost at the tour of the end of my career. And I had not signed with a team overseas, so I was still in shape. So there was a few guys that took it real serious, and Warren World Green was one of them. You uh, you played with like six NBA players at UNLV. There had to be some guys who could still play a little. Um, technically, I played with eight or nine. Uh, you had okay. Dexter Boney in there too, with Elmore Spencer. Okay. Um, but it was um, it was uh, some still some guys that was. Still competitive and still wanted to play. I want to say the first time we did it, um, Greg Anthony played once, the first one. But um, there were some just still guys still playing, and they were in town or coming off injuries and, and played in the game. And it was uh, it was pretty funny, but there was some side bets, and and uh, it was a good time. It was, it was always a good weekend when Coach Kruger brought us back. Is J.R. Ryder one of the most underrated Rebels of all time? Yeah, he is. I think. Um, I mean, it was a. It was. A, we talked about Jr. yesterday. That's funny. But Jr. was. Uh, people don't really know. Jr. was a a really good teammate. Um, and 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 we little we knew who our best player was, and we made sure we took care of Jr. and make sure uh, we got him the ball. And uh, I, I think. You know, if he plays four years or even three years at, at UNLV, he's probably looking at anywhere from 15 to 1,800 points, maybe 2,000. If he played four years there, he'll be the, probably would have been the all-time leading scorer at UNLV. So I, I really think he's in the top five uh, of players and athleticism and, and you know knowing how to play because um, he was really unselfish. But we knew we had to get him the ball. Now, him playing defense, I don't know. We, we had to help him a little bit on that. And he'll tell you that, but we stuck him at the top of the one-two-two, or the uh, we are on the top of the amoeba. But um, but the thing is that he was a gifted scorer, and he was a great teammate. In other words, he'd fit in right now. You uh, you played, and I know you've said this um, the last year, I believe, with Tark. Uh, how special was it to you? How bittersweet was to you? How it ended? There had to be feelings on both sides of that that coin. So I don't, I mean, I've been, since this COVID stuff, guys, uh, I've been telling some stories about that last year. And that last year was, um, it was a, in the beginning, it was a little roller coaster. Um, we, um, we started off three and two. We lost to Rutgers in overtime, and then we lost, we got smacked by Missouri. And so then we all got together. Uh, we was like, dude, we can't have coach go out like this. And we all rallied around coach. And the thing is that towards the end of the season, once the long, the um, Big West Conference said we can't even go to the uh, to the tournament, you can see his body language change a little bit because he wanted to extend it a little bit. Because if we would have went mm -hmm. to the, the Big West Conference in Long Beach, we would have probably won it. And um, but you can just tell he did not want to leave. Um, he did not want to leave that at UNLV. He didn't want to go out that way. And you can just tell by his body language that he didn't want to go. And do you guys don't remember, we actually tried to sue to go to the tournament that year. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and we went to court, 
We went to court and Mills Lane, the boxing referee, was the judge. It was pure comedy. <laughs> um, but uh, it was the, we went there. We, we it was like a long shot to try to get an injunction to get us to play one more uh, one more time for coach for us last year, and it didn't work. But he, he was it was a sad um, year because we ran off like twenty five straight wins, um, and we ended up with I think we were third in the country towards at the end of the season. And I, I really wanted to see that team play in a tournament because. I know we had J.R. Elmore. We had four NBA players on that team. People don't realize it was myself, even though I played a little bit in and out of the NBA. You had Elmore, J.R., and Dexter, Dexter Boney. So we had four guys, and then we had Deion leading the country and assist, Deion Thomas. So um, it was a special team. Um, it was just sad, but we're happy that we, we went out with a bang. I think we were 26-2 and two that year. and uh, But the whole thing, towards around end of February, he was – not in a good mood, and uh, and you can just tell he was really, really sad, and it was making us angry at the same time. What did did all the players? Did you guys all go to a court appearance together? Yeah, we all went. We went downtown and uh, we walked in. It was a long shot, but we tried, and and it didn't work out. And we all went our separate ways, and and then you know Massimino came in a couple months later. Uh, you you know you have your high school teams you know the AAU teams you work I wanted to ask you this um, is it a cliche or is there truth to any truth comparative to when you came out uh, how different kids are now today or are they still just kids and the kids you coach you can still kind of see some of yourself in them from 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 back in the day or, or are they as different as people assume they are yeah it's different and you got to adjust to the times. Uh, these, it's the parents. The parents are terrible. <laughs> uh, the parents want, but the problem is that some of these parents that's never played, they looked up and had a baby that can play. And they want to be yes. recruited. They've never been recruited in their life. So now they want to be recruited, and it's terrible. So, um, but, you know, you have to get past the parents. So in my case, uh, I can actually tell you, I got a parent meeting tomorrow. I actually tell parents, hey, have you played in this, this, and this, and this? Usually the, none of them raise their hand. I'm like, you can't tell me anything. <laughs> Don't tell me anything. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, and then I know it's kind of it's kind of um, to the point, but it's true. So uh, these kids are babied and coddled a lot. So a buddy of mine was telling me this, moms baby the boys harder than the girls. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's weird to me. This is weird. Like the girls nowadays, girls are tougher than boys when it comes to athletics. Athlete, I mean, athletes, girls are tougher than boys because these moms, for some reason, baby, the boys making them soft. So, um, but it's, you know, you got to deal with handlers. Sometimes um, I have some, uh, some elite kids, some big kids, and, and, and but the parents, respect me and um and and when i was coming out i didn't have all these handlers we did have an aau team but we didn't have you know the parents behind the scenes screwing things up parents sometimes are terrible guys terrible <laughs> well and and don't you think maybe that's a reason there's more and more up to thousands now in this transfer portal because they show up and if they're not getting 20 shots they're jumping really quick probably more 
than than in your time. I mean, now if it's not happening for you, like within five minutes, these kids are in the portal. I wish, you know, guys, I wish I can. They should make a university out of the portal where you can grab <laughs> 12 guys. <laughs> you can actually win the national championship with portal kids. University of Portal, I wish they would call it, and I can grab the top 12 guys and we can just go play and win a championship. But that's the thing is that you can hop in this portal, uh, and uh, and it sucks for some some kids too because uh, coaches are not recruiting uh, those mid major kids. They can just go hop in a portal and grab a kid that is um, already seasoned a little bit, been practicing with the college, and uh, and win and you know and be a good player with whatever team. Yeah. Um, but you know, just like Gonzaga used the portal a little bit, uh, and, mm-hmm, and they're sure. really good. So. Um, it's just weird with this portal thing, and people don't have any patience. No one has patience now. Nobody wants to work for it. They want everything given to them. Mm-hmm. Well, he is Everett Gray, and I appreciate you blaming the parents. That's that's my yes. favorite part of all Absolutely. of this. Uh, Everett, terrible. <laughs> we appreciate the time this morning, Everett. Thank, thank you, you Everett. Take care of yourself. All right, thank you. Okay, bye. Oh, yes. Oh, Blame man. the parents. Blame the I'd old like people be... like you, Ed. It's you. It's I, your fault, Ed. I, I'd like to be... Um... I'd like to be at that parent meeting tomorrow. <laughs> Let that be a parent meeting. Did you play college basketball? Did you play in the NBA? Did you play professionally overseas? No? Shut up. Shut I'm going to tell you what to do. Shut up. <laughs> All right. So that was Everett Gray, former running rebel, played for the uh, 91-92 team and a couple of years after that as well. But uh, good to talk to Everett Gray. Coming up next, we'll jump into a little bit of baseball because I'm – I'm sad about Carlos Correa, Ed. I'm very sad. William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet. Just sign up for a new mobile sports account and use the promo code GET50. That is G-E-T-5-0. And then when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. You get a free 50 and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It's bet 50, get 50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit WilliamHill.us. Fernando Tatis is about to be the LeBron James of the of Major League Baseball. Going to take the Padres of the World Series every single year, isn't he, Ed? He uh, he's a confident kid. He was talking about statues, like you know, put him uh, up. Might as well put hey, one up, right? Yeah. There's a place next to Tony Gwynn out in front of Petco. Can I have a statue? I played like one year. Um, yeah, well, like good Tony for him. Gwynn he's confident. Who? Yeah, good for him. He's confident. Uh, we'll see. Good player. We've talked about this before. They're very good. They've upgraded. <laughs> this happened to be in the same division with the best team, so we'll see what happens. I mean, no one's ever said he's not good. I like that guy, uh, given uh, they're probably going to lose Corey Seager this year on the, on the best team, so I'm going to have to fill that spot in a year. Of all the Astros, Ed, uh is there one that you think is the most hated? Uh, I don't pay attention to them enough to know that. Is it Carlos Correa? I don't well, know. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how other people perceive it. I don't know if Correa or Jose Altuve. I think they're. I, I don't like any hated. of them. They're cheaters. I don't well, like those guys. There's only like four of them left on the roster yeah. that were on the team that won the World Series. Then I don't like those four. <laughs> <laughs> but like you had like. The big, the big name ones were Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, George Springer, right? And Springer's obviously gone now, but Altuve was the highest profile because he won the MVP, and I feel like he took it the hardest. But then last year, 
during the season and during the playoffs, Carlos Correa is the one that ran his mouth a lot and saying, you know, he had the quote, you know, after they beat the A's to get to the ALCS saying everybody hates us, but we're still here. We're still winning. So I love Carlos Correa and Carlos Correa right now is in a situation that makes me hate being a fan because Carlos Correa is a free agent after this season with the Astros. And Correa said earlier this week that he wants to sign a contract extension, but if it doesn't happen before the season, he doesn't want to have it happen during the season. That if they don't get something done before the season starts, he's going to become a free agent after the 2021 season. And so far, there have apparently been no talks between the Astros front office and Correa about an extension. Now, the general managers come out and said, we'll, we'll have those talks in the near future, but they haven't done it yet. But here's why I hate being a fan, because I love Carlos Correa. I never want him to leave, right? I, I This guy's like, he, I want him to just trash talk the entire league for his entire career as an Astro. But it's probably in the best interest of the Astros to let Carlos Correa walk because he's been a good shortstop, but he's been hurt most of his career. He's been above average as a hitter at shortstop. He's really good defensively, but he's not the greatest bat at shortstop that you could have. And... Two of the Astros' better prospects coming up are both shortstops. So, like, as a fan, I love Correa and never want to see him play anywhere else, but I know deep down that it's in the best interest of this team to let Carlos Correa walk because not only can you let Correa walk, next year the free agent shortstop class is ridiculous. He might be, like, the fifth best shortstop that's a free agent next year, and I absolutely hate being a fan of this because logic and math tells me that he needs to go, and I hate that so much. So what I told you. Why don't you wait around for Seager? He's a better player. I don't know about that. I don't want any. I don't want Corey Seager on my team. Yeah, why would you? Uh, come on, come on. Brutal. You don't want Corey Seager? If you no. know you're losing Correa, if you know you're losing Correa, just you know you accept that, and the class hits, and you can get Corey Seager. You don't want Corey Seager? Well, I'd rather have Correa than Seager, but sure. No, you've if, lost him. That's the point. If you've Correa's gone, sure, I'll <laughs> take it as my dog's dog dying. My dogs are not happy with the Seeger idea. Uh, they do not appreciate right. Seeger being an Astro. My yes. goodness. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, See, I'm, I'm, what happened? Squash starts howling downstairs because he's lonely and nobody's petting him. And then Ruby's right here with me and she starts losing it because he's sad. So not a great moment. Welcome to live radio. <laughs>